Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow think we can? That's the big question that we answer in a fresh way every week. Every week. And this one is no exception. This week is very exciting. I'm going to be dialing up a friend of mine right now. And uh, normally I do this before we're on the air, but um, this one I'm just a little bit delayed. So um, we'll uh, see if this works. And uh, see if my friend Robbie uh, answers the phone. This is uh, this is going to be super today. Um, I'm very excited about this particular interview. And uh, this is a guy we've had on a couple times before. So um, this will be, uh, I think, his third time. Uh, as long as we get him. <laughs> This is interesting. So, um, hold on, folks. Hello. Robbie. Yes, there you are. Right. How are you? Right. Well, real good. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Awesome. <laughs> good to be here. Uh, normally, I no, get I mean, you uh, beforehand. But uh, I'm I'm kind of running a little bit late here today, so we are already on on the air, and I'm okay. glad you're here. Um, yeah, it's good to be here, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm sitting yeah, in beautiful park a, in Colorado right now too. So. <laughs> are you outside? Are you sitting in a park? I am outside. Yeah. Yeah. How beautiful cool. place. Yeah. Is it is it is it nice today? We are having seventy. Probably well, it's probably sixties and partly cloudy. We had a, about twelve inches of snow a couple of days ago, and now it's all drying up and gorgeous. So yeah, it's a beautiful. Oh, day. good! Wow, good. yeah, that's great fantastic. Day. And 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 the Rockies oh. are doing great. Well, we have a baseball <laughs> team. It's amazing what's happened here. We got us a California <laughs> former California coach. See, that's what happened. We got the Padres. We got right? old Bud Black from the Padres. Yeah, see, so that helps. Oh, from the Padres. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know what? Though before before the Padres, it was the Angels, my team. Black, Bud That's was exactly right. I forget coach. about that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we have us. So a, how we have cool. A coach that, yeah, it's fun. It's been a fun no run through April. Well. If the season ended today, we would be like the first place. You know, yeah. we we could stop it today. We'd be wonderful. So. I know. We'll see how August goes. Don't we right? waste? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me really quick introduce you from, to uh, my my uh, to our audience, uh, folks. This is Robbie uh, Goldman of Dry Bones, Denver, and uh, our relationship with a particular person, um, a granddaughter of one of our catch people, uh, Miriam, has uh, kind of put us back together again and uh, we'll be talking about that in just a few minutes but uh robbie first off just help our uh listening audience understand if if this i know you've been our guest a couple times but uh some people may not know that and um help them understand how you found yourself in the business of caring for young women and men on on the streets of denver yeah sure about uh, 15 years ago as a youth pastor, I, I helped some friends in Denver. Um, they were kind of discovering this culture of kids that are on the streets. And we came up here in uh, that spring and hung out with uh, a bunch of street kids, as they call themselves, kids that are homeless, street-connected, 
uh, in the streets of Denver. It's kind of a culture that is around our entire country, actually, and Denver just happens to be a hot spot. So we hung out here for a little over a week, and, man, the Lord would not let go of us on the images and the people we met, and it was one of those things where, like, okay, we need to we need to stick with this for a while, and it's been over 15 years now, so we haven't uh, we haven't left, and unfortunately, we still have uh, new young people ending up on the streets daily, it seems, and and so it's yeah. not a not wasn't a quick solve, you know, go do this mission and it'll be over in a year or so. It's 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 still continuing as as our new young friend's life is demonstrating for us right right yeah and uh one of those one of those young people has been a become a concern for us and she may not be on the streets of denver but she's on the streets somewhere and uh, her name Mm -hmm. is miriam she's a a a granddaughter of uh one of our our catch member partners and so we've been all kind of we we actually it's the first time we've ever done this but because we kind of had an idea where she, we, we knew she'd made it to Kansas City. Uh, she, she's, uh, uh, her home is in Indiana, and so we have a lot of people all over the country, and some of them are in Kansas City. So we did a catch alert, and we put her picture in and told a little bit about her, and as a result, um, our people have gotten really involved in this and they're really interested in Miriam and what they can do and that's why one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on today mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. talk about that you know Mary, Miriam we know uh, she uh, suffers from bipolar um, she refuses it to, to take her medication um, she's very loved in her family uh, she she's have a, a tough time understanding her desires and and, and and her actions. So um, help us try to understand maybe why why Miriam or any other woman under twenty she's eighteen um, would mm-hmm. leave home her family her sense of safety love for the open road she's took nothing but her ident- no identification or means of caring for herself uh, no money no debit card um, yeah can you. <laughs> What what brings a, a a young person to do that? Do you think, Robbie? You know, we've seen that. And that story is so it, it is it is so commonplace that it's that that's sad. But that that is a very common thing. So that thread right there that you just read, kind of that that uh, table mm-hmm. of contents of a life, is very common, uh, male or female. Mm. That doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Even uh, the mental health piece is there on some and not on others. But the decision-making, you know, what we've seen, our median age, age is usually 18 to 21, 22 years old. There'll be kids younger and kids older, for sure. Uh, what happens at 18? What happens in that that time in our, in, our, uh, in our physical bodies and our mental health and when we're trying to figure out what's next in life and what our what our story of our world in in the United States of America says you should be doing at 18, you know the from our movies and our TV shows and all that, we see so many kids influenced by things around them. Uh, you know it's such a big this time of year. You think about it, it's graduation time. This is when kids graduate and go on to the next thing, and all of those little um, hints about something seems to trigger. We we have a uh, this time of year, we we always seem to have kids that leave home, come out, do different things at this time of year that they hmm. just, for some reason, something triggers. Um, we don't. It's, it's kind of hard to figure out. It's what you put your finger on exactly what it is. The closest that I've come to over these this last year, few years, have been that there is a conditioning. There's something in our world that says go do something. Maybe in our body. You know, we don't have a lot of uh, goals as far as I want to be this by the time I'm 18, but I know I should be something. And maybe that's part of it. Yeah. There seems to be that craving of independence. I'm not sure. Um, but the lack of preparedness is what always seems to amaze me. That You get this inkling to go, I'm going to go do this grand adventure, but I take nothing with me. You know, so it's huh. that breaking of ties. We don't. I don't quite get that, but that's another common thread. There seems to be a breaking of that. 
good or bad. Again, it's not to say the the upbringing was good or bad. Whatever it is that triggers that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. usually a change of appearance. So a lot of kids will come out new and they'll have their hair dyed. They'll have new tattoos, fresh piercings, mm-hmm. uh, a totally different clothing style. You know, there's like this whole inner self that just emerges. Um, and so with mm-hmm. us, it's like often I feel like we're meeting a brand new person when we meet these kids. And uh, that's yeah. kind of where we yeah. start. It's like this kid is probably nothing like or represents anything like what their past has been, good or bad. This is a new, a new wow. in their mind, a new creation. And we see that as wow. some of the first steps. We picture that as if you look, if you could picture one of those pictures of making a first step down into a what you thought was a shallow, um, just a one step down, like stepping off into from a to a landing into a living sunken living area. And that's what you thought you were doing until you turned around, and now the picture has a thousand steps upward. And so that's that first step down. It looks like oh, all I have to do is step right back to my old life. But then when they turn around, those steps are just now looking up to a capital wow. building or something. You know, just hundreds of steps. And so that's that's wow. the hard part when you think of this young lady out there, or, or the hundreds of thousands like her. And does so, she does she have does she have maybe some kind of destination in her mind? Do you think there usually is? There's sometimes there's uh, the, these kids tie the things that people don't realize. There's there are stories out there of these uh, for somebody like California is a destination point for a lot of kids, especially mm-hmm. from the uh, Midwest or East. They'll see mm-hmm. the California shores as this collective group of people that think like I think, um, where mm-hmm. I will be accepted mm-hmm. uh, for who I am, and that. And that's the other thing. Denver Denver has kind of become a, a catch-all. I don't know that it was actually the destination place for a lot of kids, but it is well known among uh, young cultures as a vibrant city that has a lot of opportunities. Um, of course, with the marijuana and things like that, it really kind of sparked, you know, kind of hit a high point of I can be who I want to be. Whether I smoke marijuana or not, it's, it's that kind of city that accepts me. So sometimes mm-hmm. Denver mm-hmm. becomes that destination. California, they usually have a destination. Not just wandering is usually usually not uh, what I've heard on the, from the kids. They're not just going. I'll go anywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, Interesting. And the, you know, the thought of ending up in some remote area is not their mindset. It's usually to go to a place. Um, like our kids always talk about Cali. We're going to go to California, you know, going to San Diego, yeah. going to San Francisco. So yeah. Venice Beach, that's where I want to be, you know. So, yeah, there's <laughs> just a lot of there's, – there's a lot of mind wow. – there's a lot of thought usually. These kids don't just usually – when they're running away from something, it's not just uh, I'm leaving. Um, some of the kids here on the streets that don't have as strong a – family background, they're more like I can do better raising myself than is what's ever been done for me. You know, group homes and the hard, hard broken houses and homes, they'll just say I can uh, do better by myself. And so their destination is a sense of um, escape. Uh, and so you mix, mm-hmm. you mix, start mixing these cultures of these kids, you know, uh, together. And that's that's when you do create a subculture that we have names for, you know, gutter punk kids that are tied to gutter mm-hmm. punk music, you know, and different different genres that pull these kids together that they unite behind. Um, you, we've got kids that have traveled on the with the uh, you know the hippies groups that still you know the rainbow gatherings are still going around our nation today, and kids will link up with that and. You know, it's just finding something to hold on to. The sense of belonging is so, so deep with these kids, the need to belong. And um, and that's where, well, it's just like the fact of being able to say we, we issued a catch alert. The idea that that's there is there's a sense of belonging among all these folks that listen to this very radio show and read every day. There's that sense of belonging that we seem to crave as humanity. And so... These kids are not anything different than that. Wow. You know, uh, we have heard initially that maybe she was headed to Virginia Beach. Um, 
or Virginia City, I guess, in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. There were some relatives there. But then suddenly we were hearing, just like you say, we were hearing California and then Colorado, which is, of course, made me, made me think of you. Uh, let's mm-hmm. imagine, Robbie, let's imagine that she did show up in Denver. And I, I was mm-hmm. very intrigued by your statement. You, you said right away that if, if she comes in Denver, there's a very high uh, uh, possibility that we will, we will find her. Um, mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a big city with lots of kids, how, how can you be so confident? There's a, it's a big city, but it's also a pretty big funnel. Uh, we've tried to position ourselves in places where that, where once they hit the city, the edge of that funnel, there's some pretty predictable, uh, fairly predictable ways of where that funnel will exit. And as as kids come to Denver and they they get into these systems, there's not a lot of system. The there is some tragic areas that we would hope won't happen. There's a lot of statistics out there. I don't want to scare people, but there are some statistics that that could go the wrong way. And I think that's probably understood, but there's also a group of kids that when they find a like minded group of kids, they tend to see that belonging and they move that direction. Uh, young women often need some security and they'll, they'll gravitate to places where they feel secure. And there's only a, there's only a couple of uh, drop-in centers during, uh, in Denver. So most kids would say, Hey, you should come over here to eat some lunch. Uh, then Dry Bones is an out. We do a lot more outreach, and so that a recognized group is saying, "Hey, you're you need to be, you need to meet these people." They do a dinner this night, and so so many kids. Not saying we see them all, but so often when these kids are connected, other kids connect them to places of security and safety. And Dry Bones has been one of those places, and we we tend to go to the places that these kids go, and. That's why I'm pretty confident when somebody says if they're if they're in Denver in the downtown area and they know that we can usually find them or they'll stumble upon us. Uh, the idea you know is just like wow. recognizing them, you know, but we've found, you know, we've located kids before that uh were done and and here's the amazing thing. When these street kids meet someone like her possibly and they figure out that she does have a loving home and people are looking for her they will they will question her and pretty much kind of run the uh test of if you're loved what's going on if you're loved and you're just running for the sake of running why we don't get that these kids will tell us hey we found this girl she needs to go home and they'll say she's loved they'll pick that out and they will they will turn it and they will say Let's call your parents. Let's call your grandparents. Because the idea of being loved is something that's craved by all of these kids. And it's the wow. other way. If they find that someone that's, that is being abused, they will help them stay hidden. Mm-hmm. But if they oh, figure okay. out that someone is loved and someone is looking for them and something they're cared for, they will do everything they can to help them reunite, reunite with their families, if at all possible. But you're, but you're the, saying the kids the themselves nasty. will do that. Absolutely, the street kids themselves. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. they will say fine um, because they just have seen that they've they've lived it to so many that they haven't been connected to family and family didn't care, you know, did not care. They were out yeah. kicked out. So yeah, yeah, that's well, pretty. Well, you've already kind a, of answered. Boy, you've already kind of answered my next question, which was, you know, what <laughs> what steps would. If she did show up there, what what kind of steps would you guys take? Um, what counsel w- would would she be given? Um, but let's go a little farther with that. Um, mm-hmm. She's o- she's over eighteen, so uh, sure. you know she hasn't committed an infraction. There's nothing that law enforcement can do. Um, right. Do you attempt? What do you guys attempt to to do? How how would you how would you counsel her or or seek to help her? Well, you know, we have a we have some kids that are in this situation right now. They're over 18. Uh, we know that family uh, has been in contact in the past, and right now the kids are choosing not to talk to family. And it's it is a it is a balance. Um, when we know that family mm-hmm. is involved, it's it's that balance because you do want to respect the rights of this adult that is 
that is there. And first of all, if their mental health is to, to the point where they're making very unsafe decisions, that's one thing. You know, if you if you see someone that's unsafe, then we're going to help them get to the, the the proper help they need, whether that's you know the hospital or the authorities, whoever it is. That's our that's our first thing is their safety. Um, and the, and definitely their spiritual health is something that we consider such a such a valuable thing to 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 work with wherever they are and whatever spiritual spectrum they're in. You know, we see that as something an area that we can we can safely operate in. That's kind of where we we approach things from. Um, so we'll we'll talk there first of all is just making sure people feel safe. As the story unfolds, and here's the unfortunate part, sometimes it takes a while. Uh, the friendship to build and the trust to get going, usually we mm-hmm. we do find out the story, John, and we figure out who it is that they're afraid of or they're wanting to, you know, impress or whatever it is, the motivation that came out. And trying to trying to reunite family is something we feel is so important on whatever level that it can be. Um, if it's just a level of making sure, hey, I'm safe, I've put this together, this is what I'm doing, um, I'll be okay. Or if it's the, the level of, hey, I need you, I need to come back home, um, or I need to have some you know, counseling or whatever it takes. Um, when we know that family is looking, then we definitely try to encourage contact. And we definitely provide as many safe ways to contact family as possible. Uh, whether it's a letter or an email, social media, or a phone call, or if we needed to get a bus ride home, we'll, we'll do that. Um, because the idea of a loving family looking for someone that they don't know is alive or dead is just heartbreaking. We can't do that. So we'll state that up front, that if there's somebody, we'll, you know, we're not going to force you, but if there's someone that we can at least let know you're alive, you know, give us permission to do that. We don't, we won't talk to anyone without permission from uh, our friend that we meet. That's that's a trust factor okay. that we feel strongly about. Um, that's where we are with this one young man. He has family, or they say they're family. We're not even sure if they're blood relatives. They're saying, uh, hey, we want you to tell us all this information, and we're like, we just can't until person tells us because he's an adult, and he tells us it's okay to, to share that kind of information with you. Um, and we just reassure them that we're gonna we will make it available for them to contact them. They can use our phones. They can use whatever, and uh, just reassure them that we are you know making that available to them. And so it it is a it's a you know it's kind of a little tightrope to walk. But yeah, I think if, you know I think if I was a parent knowing that somebody that has some responsibility and and we we are completely open about who we are. And, you know, make sure they understand we're not trying to pull them into something that's, you know, nefarious or odd or even a religious cult. We we are completely open about what Dry Bones is about and our website and all that so they know and can get a good picture of who we are. We feel that's important, too. And and uh, that way, hopefully, that you know, it's like if you know who's kind of being the counselor of your loved one that maybe you can – you know, yeah. have a little comfort. So, yeah, we definitely do that. I would imagine being there as long as you have been, um, that's got to help in terms of the trust factor Yeah. Um, for the, the kids who are already there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's an instant, it's a pretty instant thing now with the kids that, you know, the trust factor is pretty much you put on our Dry Bones T-shirt and, you're you're in the group, you know. You're 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 the one that's you're you're part of the help. You're not a you're not a hurt or a threat. And so yeah, the Drybones relationship with the street kids definitely allows them to bring folks like that to us and say, hey, uh, I want you to meet somebody. You know, they need some help or um, whatever. And we we've had we have a kid. We the way we met him two weeks ago is one of his friends said, hey, I met this guy and uh, he really would like to see a counselor. And can you guys hook him up? Like, absolutely. And so it was, you know, we, we barely knew him, but his friend brought the trust factor of who we were. And this guy was like, yeah, I want to meet with, with somebody you recommend. And so that was a, you know, that was pretty easy. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the length of time 
consistency of belonging is what uh, a lot of these street kids need, and they're lacking. You know, they just they so many people have been in and out of their lives in their minds that they can't trust anybody, or they'll trust you with just a little piece of their story to get what they need, and then they move on. So you have to stay stay long enough that you put enough of those pieces together to get a full picture. And, uh, yeah. you know, often, like yeah. I said, kids will change their appearance, they'll also change their story. Uh, that The life story they tell you may not be the real one to start with. It's the one that's yeah. the survival mode story. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Should, um, say, some of our people who are listening right now, um, in their own in their own area, mm-hmm. say they come upon someone like this, um, right. or they say they let's say they find Miriam. Um, right. What what kind of steps could they take? What what would you suggest um, they could do? Is there anything they could do? Yeah, you know the thing that we've noticed first, and just over the years have learned, is when a kid is running or feeling like they're running from something, they're operating out of a pretty stressed response to life. Everything is pretty stressed. You know, the way they're kind of stuck in a fight-flight mode. And so it's amazing what, uh, even what Jesus says, I'm thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I'm hungry and you gave me something to eat. What that actually physically does to our bodies and what it does to these young people uh just making sure that their present needs of you know air water and food are met you know that that changes the approach and so there's a there's an instant trust you know it's like what can i do for you instantly to help you feel a little better you know and that that is the that's the first approach you know it's not try to go too fast but it's just provide that. And then the next step is just be consistent. And if you say, I'm going to do this for you, do it. You know, follow through. Uh, it's not to be manipulated. I'm not saying that. But if you're like, you know, you can use my phone or I will meet you here tomorrow so that you can, I can buy you this cup of coffee and just show up. That's so, that's proven to be so important. Um, is building that relationship of trust and confidence. And then uh, just be in a position of listening and not uh, not telling. That's the other step. Just be a very good listener. Um, that is so crucial, uh, especially for kids. That, you know, let's just use a Miriam. It's been out for a little bit, not too long. Um, she'll already have a few stories. You know, there will hmm. already be some things, good or bad yeah. or indifferent but those stories need to be heard. And so the first few people that hear those stories, there's an instant bond with that, with that person. So be a good listener. And then, yeah, those, those are really our first steps. We just call it, uh, being just prepared to be, uh, and that's, that's huge. You know, I was, uh, we were actually looking for her on the streets the other day and I thought it was running my mind and say, will I say, Hey Miriam, you know, do I use her name? Do I meet her as a any street kid? You know, is that even me going through this mental gymnastics of kind of, you know, I know more about you than you think I do. How do I let you know <laughs> that? And and that's one of those steps, you know. And so that would be the other part. You don't not just busting out saying, "Oh, I read about you in this email." What? Who's writing about me in this email? You know, that's my business. Mm-hmm. Don't be talking about business. So. It's that it's that gracious approach. Uh, again, Jesus knows our needs, but how He presented Himself was a pretty good model of of uh, how to how to let us know He knows our needs without feeling like He's threatening us. And so that's wow. kind of the model we've yeah. chosen. Wow, that's uh, that's really helpful. Are there any any other agencies that people? You know, there's not a drive. Unfortunately, not a drive home in every city. Um, right. Any, anyone you have to suggest, uh, or or do they go contact the church? Or, or is there help? Yeah, you, 
Yeah, the, you know, one of our big ones across the nation is the Coalition for the Homeless. Their uh, coalition is usually in every city. Um, most most shelters, if you call and talk, you know, uh, we'll talk about, you can say uh, young adults is another kind of keyword to say, hey, do you guys work with youth and young adults? And that sets an age range for folks in the in the business to kind of go, oh, you're talking about somebody in their late teens, early 20s. And so hmm. when you're calling around, you can ask, you know, how how do you, you guys work with a lot of young uh, youth and young adults? And they'll say, oh, no, we work with older, but these people work. So that's kind of a key word to, 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 uh, hmm. to use is young adults. That's a, that is a, like a statistic hmm. when people are doing point in time surveys, which are when they count folks that are living outside. Uh, most big cities have some contacts like that, uh, either through their own city websites. You can find shelters, look up under shelters. Uh, there's another national organization called Teen Challenge. They actually don't work with a lot of mm-hmm. teenagers, but they do work with young adults. And so they're another national organization that gets a lot of help. Um, there's, there is a, up to the age of, I believe, 21 or 22, uh, Greyhound Bus Line has a 1-800 service called Ride Home. And so anyone that is has run away who has a family member on the other end of the bus to pick them up, Greyhound will pay for that ticket. So you can actually wow. call them and do the Ride Home thing like, like she would qualify completely. Someone that left home, there was some trouble, but has a house, a family that would receive her back. Somebody can call the Greyhound uh, Ride Home Program and get some counseling, get some help um, to work with them. Yeah, and the Suicide Prevention Hotline also has a ton of contacts and the United Way. Both of those groups are pretty well manned on the phones 24 hours a day. Uh, United Way has a lot of uh, helps in big cities. so. Like in Denver, okay. it's uh, three three one one in Denver. We'll get you to United Way. Okay. And so yeah, great. So what uh, that first one you mentioned? The what was it? The homeless? What was the first coalition? Organization? Coalition. Coalition. The coalition. Okay. Coalition for the homeless. Yeah, they're nationwide. Great. The coalition for the homeless. Yeah, you can look okay. them up and should be a website. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, you know. You mentioned, you kind of brushed against earlier uh, that whole idea of uh, negative uh, things that may happen to you or yeah. uh, those hurtful kind of things. How much have you, uh, especially for the women, I imagine you you brush up against uh, the sex uh, trade yeah, and uh, what's going on there, the trafficking? Um, well, do you, do you yeah. Do much of that? We do. The statistics tell us that in Denver, within the first 24 hours of being homeless, a young woman will be approached for a sex trade within the first 24 hours of being here in our city. I'm not, and I'm sure it's not too different in a lot of other cities. And that can mean anything from uh, sex. Usually it means trading sex for security, uh, for a place to sleep, uh, someone to protect you. You know, all the way up to, you know, uh, multiple other trafficking ways, you know, from, uh, you know, actually being shipped somewhere to just being used for prostitution locally. The approach is pretty fast uh, on the average, which is terrifying to me um, that that happens in our city. But it's a very real situation and uh, one that the city and state are very you know, proactive trying to prevent, but the sex for security is a very, very hard to predict. Uh, or it's not, it's not a, you're not talking about a big organized group. That's just a person uh, taking advantage of a, another person. And so that's the one that's, that's the one that really, you know, is scary um, for me. This one, of the, well, they're all scary, but that one's the one that's, because you can't see it. It's very, very hidden. Uh, is there any makes way sense, you maybe. can get? Is there any way you can get help, uh, Robbie, for someone who is trapped in 
such a situation? Yes. Yeah, there are groups out that will help them. There's, we have a couple organizations here that are pretty good. They're under the radar a little bit. They don't do a lot of public uh, help. We also have some people that have support housing for abused and sex trafficked women that we know of here that are excellent resources uh, to when girls uh, or boys are involved in that, that we can get to pretty quickly. Uh, and they're very protective and very well trained and staffed to be able to help folks to get in, you know, get in, be safe and start getting help pretty rapidly. You know, once you figure out, once the the victim is ready to kind of be free or figure out how to get away from that, yeah, we we can move pretty quick in this city uh, to get them there. But it's a, you know, sometimes the girls and the, the kids don't even realize they're being trafficked. You know, they will oh. use the words, boy, this is my boyfriend, you know. This is, you know, my street husband. And they don't even, the awareness of what the abuse is is not always right up front because sometimes it's the only, it's the first sense of security they felt in a long, long time. And wow. they, yeah, the idea that it's abuse isn't the first thing. And so those are the hard ones to walk away because, again, often they're adults. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they were minors, you could move faster. But sometimes when they're adults, and they're not using the right words and they're not making the right choices to help let you help them, that's when that yeah. trusted relationship and spending the time and being there as a friend can really pay off. And, you know, they start yeah. they start noticing the difference of this friendship doesn't mm-hmm. require these things and this friendship does. This friendship hurts me, this friendship helps me. And so just yeah. being able to be that... Uh, you know, just kind of being able to be a constant non-abuser in the midst of abuse can often, uh, you know, prompt the right questions to be able to say, "Why we should get you out of there?" And that's not a healthy situation. Uh, have you had Have you had any success uh, uh, freeing any 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 women uh, from those types of situations? Yeah, and it's you know, it's hard to say which moment actually did the freeing, you know, sometimes it was, it's, uh, you figured out a way that they got to go to jail, you know, (laughs) they got to physically break away and then not come back. Uh, there's been a lot of relationships that we've been able to kind of, uh, you know, help, help the, the person that's doing the abusing, you know, the sex for security, help that person to realize what they're doing, you know, and maybe they've repeated the thing three or four times. And so the help was like, okay, you're, you're starting to see that these relationships that you're having aren't healthy, you know? And so helping the, the young man not enter into any more of these relationships, I feel like that's been one of our more successful ways of keeping girls out of that is by the young, wow. you know, helping the young men say that's mm-hmm. not a healthy way to, enter into a relationship. This is actually what you're doing, you know? And that's why it doesn't work out. Because sometimes it's just totally, that's the way they think they're supposed to be repaid for their security. And so we've been able to do that. And then there's been the times, like I said, when the girls have been able, you know, gone to jail or other things when you they're kind of physically separated that you're able to say, let's look at this situation, you know? Let's look at who and how you're trusting and what you're having to give mm-hmm. for this, you know, uh, that's, that's tough. But we have had some girls pull away um, and, and be able to say, I don't want that anymore and get away from that. And that's, that's hard. And and we have had the police intervene before, you know, that's, that's been something we've had to do is say, we need to call the authorities and get them involved in this situation because, uh, it's turned into a domestic situation that's unhealthy. And so we've been able to walk through that with the young girls actually calling the police. And that's that's hard. That's hard on the streets for the street kids to do because of the culture of being a snitch. And it's hard for them to be think they're never going to be trusted by anybody else. But we've, had, we've been able to go there some. Wow. So you're working, you're mm-hmm. definitely working in a subculture of thought that doesn't match the culture that they're living. And so you that that's a tough 
you, there's, there are things that are labeled one way as a relationship in the subculture and in the culture that they're existing in, it's labeled abuse and illegal. And so huh. standing between both of those of the foot in both of those cultures is often the balance that you make when street kids are, are making these kind of choices and having these choices made for them. Well, so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, um, uh, just a couple more. We're, we're, re- we're getting. Sure. We, we've gone over time, but boy, this is so. This is so fascinating and and important. I think. Um, I. What about uh, children? Are are there children involved with uh, some of these some of the women? And and what uh, special circumstances do those uh, create? Oh yeah, there's often we have little kids that come in and out of these relationships and come with kids and. Uh, with our street kids, you know, some of these girls and young men want to have a kid so they can do a better job than was done with them. And so we uh, mm. we uh, balanced uh, we balanced that with uh, you know just trying to walk through with that opportunity, saying, well, let's make you the best parent you can be. And then other times it's uh, walking through uh, an adoption. At Drybones, we we have worked with Catholic charities and Colorado Christian Services, and we have been able to help mm-hmm. these kids walk through some of those with children. And it has it has springboarded some kids to make good choices in their life and put some things together. Uh, children on the streets, John, is, I mean, little kids, is so hard. But I can tell you I've never met one of our street kids that wants their kids on the street. None. Never. They mm-hmm. will do anything uh, to keep their kids. The goal of these kids repeating the process is non-existent. They don't Mm -hmm. want to keep this cycle going. And so having Mm -hmm. children homeless is a never something these kids want. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, It is heartbreaking to see any child lose their parent. Um, We are actually... uh, hosting a last visit with some parents this coming Sunday. Um, They worked as hard as they possibly could, we feel, and they feel that the state is still determined that they're not going to be able to be fit parents. And so they've terminated their rights. And so we're hosting a last visit. And those are very, very hard. And so, again, that's where relationship works. You just stay with every step of the way. And uh, whether it's the last court date or the last uh, visit or their first home, they know that they have together. You expect to be at all of them, and uh, and that and that's that's just where God has you know placed us. We feel uh, to, to to be, yeah. and so that's where we wow. that's where we reside. Yeah. Oh, God bless you, Robbie. This is amazing. Um, one more, I just have one more question because you, you brought up the whole thing of parents and I did want to bring the parents mm-hmm. up here at the end. Um, you know, we've been doing a good deal of counseling with the catch and Marty especially has had, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of one particular illustration where a, a woman, uh, a, a, a daughter with a baby came came to her own house and Mm-hmm. And the father sent her away because she had uh, a child with her that she didn't know about. And uh, uh, it took Marty, uh, you know, 24 hours of of talking with this with his father to finally mm-hmm. convince him that he needs to provide a loving place for his daughter right. and, and not mm-hmm. send her away. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of wh- how much do you end up getting involved with parents? So that that just brings up that question. Uh, you know, it's, we don't get involved. That. Yeah, we don't. Uh, usually, at first, we don't get involved uh, in a lot of negotiations like that very often. We have um, so many of these kids, even in their twenties, have been separated from their families for you know seven years. So they don't have a lot of contact, uh, and they haven't. A lot of the times we get in contact with who they call parent, um, and that could be a foster dad or another street dad, someone that they call parent. Uh, 
when we do get involved with parents, often it's been, unfortunately, at funerals. And it's serving at the death of their child um, mm-hmm. and not the life. Um, but when we do, um, mm. you know, it's that, it is that balance of you feel like you're convincing, that you're, you're kind of telling them what they already should know. But it's the same thing. We try to provide that listening uh, because there's a story there. Uh, and the feeling, anytime you can provide that safe listening environment and let that story start being processed, then you can start you can start pointing out different things within that story. You can start mending some of those uh, gaps between the stories that you've heard between the mm-hmm. child and parent. And so we try to do that, and, and that's very difficult. Like I said, our goal is usually to try to reconcile families when it's safe. And that's, I'm sure that was that bond that Marty had to go through is maybe this isn't a safe place to reconcile. And so you, you really do. I mean, it's a judgment call, but I feel like we all can, when we're approaching it, like you, like you guys are with these young ladies, you're, you're, you're willing to make that call. And we have had to say, it's not safe for you to be there. You know, that parent is what got you addicted to methamphetamine and they're not ready to change. And so you being there will not be clean. And so those are some hard calls. And so I would say dealing with parents, especially when you have an adult, like an adult child that's dealing with this, is you you have to treat them both as equal adults and say this, this, you know, be that that judge and say this is what I see, this is what I hear, this is what I recommend, I can't control you to make you do whatever. But being, being someone in a young person's life that is truly listening to them, that they believe has their best interest at heart, mm-hmm. is the biggest thing, even when it comes to dealing with their parents. Um, and that's yeah. what we found is the best. Yeah, it's not ever a power over thing, John. You've heard me talk about that before. Because mm-hmm. we can't position ourselves to say, we're gonna, we have more power than you, and so we're going to make you do this. It's definitely a power under. Oh. You know, We went to school, we've been this, so we're going to lift this up to you and support you in these decisions. And here's everything we see. We're open, honest. Here you go. That is, if our power enables you to do this choice, then here you go. Hmm. Um, and that and that goes for the parents as well. Uh, so often the parents just sometimes need somebody to say, "What are my options? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And and will you That's be here? Great. You know, now, now Marty Fisher, are you just going to send me off on my own?" And she would say, "No, we're hmm. here." <laughs> you know, that's a huge difference. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Robbie, this has been so. I feel like, in some ways, uh, uh, Miriam has has opened some doors for for all of us here. And yeah, uh, may, maybe maybe in the last since since it was Miriam's grandparents, the the ones that really got this started. What maybe just to close here, what what could what can you say? Are there happy endings? And what can you say? What can you say to encourage maybe um, Miriam's grandparents? Um, yeah, and, for and sure. Right now, absolutely. Please know that there are happy endings, and know that there are dry bones is not the only place out there. There are networks and networks of people who care and love and devoted their lives to seeking and loving on people that are out making choices like this, just trying to find themselves in so many ways, and also as some at risk, that there are a lot of people out there loving. Um, don't spend your time in just worry and and trying to worry about all the worst possible scenarios, but keep your eyes open and uh, be available in your heart. Uh, when the fear and anxiety start overwhelming you, allow your heart to hear those, but don't hold on to those. Um, Always know that there's hope and know that the God we love is a God of hope and love and mercy. And uh, it's not to say it'll always work out, but I have seen so many kids reunite. Find Sometimes I see these kids find their most beautiful friendships on the street. It's hard as that is. I've seen some of the most beautiful friendships formed on the street. And so know that there are a lot of people loving uh, your daughter and granddaughter out here and then mm-hmm. And if we find her, we're going to do our best to love her 
and help her make the best decisions she can. I can promise you that. Yeah. Wow. Robbie, I can't thank you enough. Um, what's you the bet. website in case people want to find out some more? Is it Dry Bones Denver? Drybonesdenver.org. Yeah, drybonesdenver.org. Okay. And uh, all our contact okay. info on there. And Yeah, and if anybody sees anything in Denver or here of Miriam, you can – Put that out there, and we'll we'll go find her. We'll go talk to her if this is who it is, or anybody out there. Let us know. We will do our best yeah. to to love them. So yeah, fantastic, sure. fantastic, Robbie. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Thank God, you, sir. God Appreciate you. All right, yeah. we'll talk to you soon, John. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Thank you yeah. much. Okay. Bye. All right. Good night. Bye bye. Yep. Good night. Oh, good night. There you go, folks. How about that? Um, gosh, uh, we went way over, but boy, there was so much to talk about. And um, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Um, we sure did. And uh, let's just keep praying for Miriam. Let's keep praying for all the Miriams out there. And let's ask that God would make us sensitive to them and to their needs and maybe open our eyes uh, to see them when we m- might not even normally know they're there. Um, so, uh, Lord, do that um, among us, we pray. And uh, so, God bless you. It's been a, a tremendous um, uh, time here, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Tell your friends about this show especially. Um, there's so much valuable information here that will help us all. So uh, spread the word. And uh, next week we already have lined up. My one of my favorite guests that uh, is coming back that, we, that we've had since we started, Oz Guinness is going to be our guest next week. Um, you know, Oz talked to us about the the public square and about how uh, we need to be on the side of religious freedom in the public square. Well, now that was about two year year and a half ago. The public square has gotten different now, and I really want to have Oz talk to us about what's going on in the public square, and does that change any of um, how we react to the world around us and to the needs and, and uh, of course, for just the need to be civil, which is uh, so huge right now. Uh, so next week is going to be fabulous. Don't miss Oz Guinness for sure. God bless. Take care. Pray for Miriam. Keep your eyes open. God loves us. He'll still love us. No matter what. Thank you so much. We will talk to you soon.